0: daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is The Michael Medved Show.
1: And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to look back on predictions that people made for 2023 that were just spectacularly completely wrong. Who uh, wins the award for the most spectacularly misguided prediction? We will get to that. We also have a, a new analysis of the biggest political losers of the year 2023. Who were they? Uh, some of them you would expect. Uh, I, I've mentioned before, I mean, obviously a big political loser for 2023 was George Santos. Okay, but who else? And who is considered by an article in The Intelligencer? to be an even bigger loser than George Santos. Now, that's saying something. Speaking of um, uh, George Santos, he has gone from being a member of Congress to being a celebrity. And, yes, they are still working on trying to get him on Dancing with the Stars, which I think is a terrific fate for for George Santos. Actually, his fate has probably involved some prison time, but we'll leave that aside. Um, Meanwhile, what about another celebrity who could shake up the uh, election and the presidential battle completely? Why? Because he has appeal to Democrats. He has appeal to Republicans. He has appeal to people who are very conservative and uh, people who are very much progressive. Who are we talking about? The Rock for president? Yeah, Dwayne Johnson. And uh, actually, Juan Williams, who uh, is on Fox News, of course, and is one of our leading political commentators, he says, you got to take The Rock seriously and a bunch of other celebrity candidates who are being promoted right now as an alternative to the dreary duopoly of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And we'll also be speaking about a California town which did something radical. They uh, voted to nix month-long celebrations of identity groups. Now, which city in California would do that? Uh, We will let you know. And we'll be uh, reviewing today one of the big new Oscar contenders. We'll also be talking about our 10 best movies of the year list and uh, looking at a big star-studded movie version about one of the greatest automakers. Uh, his name was Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari, played by Adam Driver in a big new Michael Mann movie. We'll be reviewing that as well on The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. And uh, we will also be covering the, the unbelievable development... That that really has shaken up the world and I don't think is going to stand. But a second state has joined Colorado to take uh, Donald Trump's name off the presidential ballot. Now, of course, I, I am sympathetic to people who are trying to offer an alternative within the Republican Party for Donald Trump. But the idea of trying to use a Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution to do it is problematic. And what just happened is a, an even more problematic means of doing that. It wasn't a court this time. It was the Colorado Supreme Court in a 4-3 to decision that took uh, uh, Donald Trump's name off the Colorado ballot but his name is coming off the main ballot. Maine is all of four electoral votes. It's coming off the main ballot because of a decision by the state's uh, secretary of state, who is a, uh, a very committed, deeply committed Democrat. And is this fair? Is this going to hold? Or is this have a another impact entirely? Uh, Here is uh, Maine Secretary of State. Her name is Shanna Bellows. Uh, She appeared on MSNBC and explained her decision to take Trump's name off the primary ballot coming up in the state of Maine. Uh, Listen, clip 11. This decision is based on
2: Maine law and the facts that were presented to me in the Section 336 challenge. It was really important to me Uh, to look at the evidence presented in the public hearing and the law and the facts presented in the context of Maine law, sections 336, 337, and 443. Uh, It's a very detailed decision. Uh, We lay out uh, why under Maine law, the Secretary of State has the authority, indeed the obligation, I'm duty-bound to make this determination. Uh, We also, i rather... Um, laid out that the record demonstrates that, in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And finally, uh, in reviewing the facts presented, the evidence, uh, the law, the history, um, we determined uh, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that Mr. Trump engaged in insurrection and therefore was disqualified.
1: Okay. uh, this uh, uh, does this mean that uh, this is a blow to the Trump campaign? Not at all, necessarily. I think people are reacting indignantly to this idea that he would lose this way based upon a sole decision by an elected secretary of state who is a partisan Democrat. Uh, Maine on Thursday became the second state to bar Donald J. Trump from its primary election ballot after its top election official ruled the former president's efforts to remain in power after the 2020 election rendered him ineligible to hold office again. Uh, what this does is uh, it, what it, it, it forces the Supreme Court to rush into this breach and to make a decision because simply it's it's not going to work and it's a very bad idea for the health of our democracy to have a situation where a serious contender for the presidency is not even on the ballot you're not even allowed to vote for him basically in a number of states now there's a perspective on this that that just came up today because of this case and it's a very important perspective it seems to me One of the things that has not happened yet, there hasn't been a genuine swing state and certainly not a Republican state, part of the states that Trump is counting on to give him a chance to victory, that has even talked about or come close to pushing him off the ballot. In fact, in Michigan, the only swing state where this has been adjudicated at least partially somehow, they said, no, uh, Trump can be on the ballot in Michigan. The... If this continues to apply the idea of striking him from the ballot to states like Maine and Colorado and uh, states like Hawaii, which is a very, very heavily Democratic state, or other states where Trump has no chance of winning electoral votes, in Maine, he has a chance for one electoral vote. Maine has uh four electoral votes that it assigns. And uh, it, those votes are assigned based upon who carries the statewide vote which is almost sure to be Biden. It's a heavily Democratic state. But then there is one district in Maine where uh, Trump has been competitive. In fact, I think he's won a one electoral vote before. So it would impact him in this way. The real problem, and it's something that I I realized this morning, is that if Trump has taken off some of these left-leaning, sure-to-go-for-Biden states – then it makes it more likely than ever before that if he wins the election, which he still could by putting together that electoral vote coalition similar to what he did in 2016, uh, he can do that and he'll lose the popular vote by even more than he lost the popular vote And because there won't be any votes for him from California or there won't be any votes for him from Illinois or New York or because those votes won't be counted because his name's not on the ballot. And he's prohibited by those authorities from being on the ballot. We will get back to that, but we're going to be speaking with Juan Williams coming up. Will 2024 be the year of the celebrity candidate and which celebrity candidates could offer big surprises. We'll be right back. on the michael medved show juan williams of fox news uh, a columnist for the hill magazine former washington post scribe and best-selling author juan williams has a brand new column that asks a very provocative and very relevant question will 2024 be the year of the celebrity candidate and uh the um The article, which makes a number of points about what's been happening to our politics, is illustrated with a nice picture of of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, visiting Capitol Hill. Now, this was a recent visit, wasn't it, Juan?
0: Yeah, uh, so it was in November.
1: Yeah, and why was he going to Capitol Hill? He was trying to send a message, and the message was not just pay attention to me, because he gets... Plenty of attention, anyway. What was the message he was trying to send?
0: Well, he wanted to get people to, uh, on, in the Congress to pay attention to the low rate of military recruitment in the country right now, and he's trying to boost that, especially with young men. And obviously, he's an icon among young men who want to, you know, be like the Rock in the in the you know professional wrestling ranks. You know, the big muscular hero, the good guy, all that. So. Uh, And it was, I think, sort of a virtuous act on his part. But the consequence, you should know, Mr. Medved, was that all these politicians reacted to him as if he was much more important than they were. I mean, he got to meet with Schumer and all the rest. And, uh, and, you know, he then revealed that Democrats and Republicans have approached him about running for president because he's so well-known, so popular, and they think he could win.
1: Okay, what this brings up to me, I I read your piece and congratulations on it. People need to read Juan Williams to uh, keep the, the edge on what's actually going on with all this going on there's this group no labels and everybody has been assuming that they are going to end up nominating joe manchin if joe manchin is willing but joe manchin does very poor poorly in national polls he gets like three percent he's way way behind robert f kennedy jr who's another celebrity candidate who has never held public office or run for public office before but in any event what if uh no labels uh Talk to Mr. Johnson. Would Dwayne Johnson on a no labels ticket, where they already have a spot on the ticket in some, what is it, 16 states, and there are a lot more where they're on the verge, would that be a, a viable candidacy? It is
0: a viable candidacy. Now, let's define viable. By viable, I mean the standard that we're talking about is like 19%, which is what Ross Perot got as a third party candidate back in 1992, uh, and if you talk to the George H.W. folks, he was the incumbent at the time, they'll tell you they think that cost them the election against Bill Clinton. And if you go farther back, you know, you start thinking about Anderson back in 1980, and yes, he got like 7% or something, but again, the Carter people thought it made a difference. So what's viable is not that the third-party candidate is going to win the election. That's not what I'm talking about. But it has an impact on the outcome uh, on which of the two major party candidates wins the election. And, by the the way, I think you're right. I think Johnson would have an impact on who wins in November if he was the no-labels candidate.
1: Well, you have a bunch of polls that you cite here that suggest that uh, a very big chunk of Americans, and we're not talking 19 percent, uh, we're talking uh, uh, close to a majority, seem to want uh, The Rock to run. And oh, yeah.
0: I mean, you should mention this for the listeners, Michael. I mean, it's, it's really strange to me. Uh, it's a poll that found that 63% of Americans think celebrities make good politicians. Now, <laughs> why would that be? That's like saying, oh, plumbers make good politicians or – <laughs> Accountants, or I don't, or baseball. I, don't, I guess anybody, anyway. But the, to your point about the Rock, forty-six percent in a twenty-twenty-one poll. Forty-six percent of Americans said they'd vote for Johnson. Right now, you can't get that for for Joe Biden, and I think that's a, a little more than what Donald Trump gets on average. So yes. It's a well example. there are no
1: there are no big negatives right now that people know about Dwayne Johnson. In other words, people right. don't know where he comes down on the issue of uh abortion or the issue to aid for Ukraine uh or any of the other polarizing issues in the country. Um I I I understand that he is something of a fiscal conservative. He uh he he believes strongly that we have to have some better control of our federal budget deficits. Is that right?
0: Yes. Uh, but, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, if you and I were sitting around chatting and I said, you know, I just think, you know, you got to pay your bills. And, Michael, I don't think there's any doubt about it, and I don't see why the government shouldn't pay their bills. You know, it's that kind of conversation. <laughs> it's two guys yakking it up. It's not people saying, but wait a minute, we've been running a budget deficit. The United States has the goal... You know, we, we are the world standard here uh, because of our political stability, and we have to pay for some things in the future. It's it's not a sophisticated conversation. It's kind of just two guys yakking. That's all it is, and that's what he says. But I don't think okay. he knows any details of what he's talking about.
1: Okay, you begin your column, which is posted on our website at michaelmedved.com, and people should go to it and read it. Uh you begin the column by mentioning that uh, Sarah Palin, who was something of a celebrity candidate herself when she was nominated for vice president, and Ted Cruz, who's been a failed presidential candidate, they're both predicting that in 2024, Michelle Obama is going to pick up the fallen torch and run for president, presumably as a Democrat. Uh Could she be a nominee for no labels, and then they couple her with some Republican running alongside her?
0: Yeah, but I mean, this is all fabulous speculation. But I must say that I thought your analysis earlier, Michael, applies to Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama is very popular, especially with women voters, uh, a little bit like an Oprah Winfrey-type character. But nobody knows what she stands for. Does she stand for the same things her husband stands for? I don't know. Uh, And you don't know. And she has not been scuffed up by negative ads. And you can imagine that they would be running ads about everything that she ever said about, remember, the first time I was proud of my country and all that kind of stuff. Um, You can imagine that she would be taken down a notch immediately uh, by the kind of pugilism that we know is American polarized politics in 2023.
1: Okay, there are other celebrity candidates who are part of this mix. Uh, We can talk about them. Uh, I also want to talk about the year just passed. And uh, one of the things that Juan Williams writes about is in the year just passed, uh, there were some really stupid games that were played in one branch of government. What branch and which party and what's the impact of those stupid games? Did they have any winners? Uh, we will get to that and more with Juan Williams here on the Michael Medved Show. Is a time where someone from the outside has to step in and take control. Michael Medved. And on the Michael Medved show, there's a, a piece today in a Politico magazine uh, where they compiled the absolute worst political predictions of 2023. At the end of 2022, there was one extremely well-known, uh, respected uh, international voice on politics who said that in 2023, the U.S. would break out in civil war. And Elon Musk would be elected president after Texas re, uh, seceded from the union. Um, I'm speaking with Juan Williams of, of Fox News. He is a regular columnist for The Hill uh, magazine. And uh, Juan, do you want to, just to get into this game, make, make some strange prediction that people can come back on and hang on you a year from now about what's going to happen in 2024?
0: Well, I think that, you know, I'm not great at the crystal ball game, but I mean, I think you can look at the patterns that have emerged in 2023 and see some things that should happen in 24. One of them obviously is that abortion is going to be a big driver in terms of how Democrats do in both congressional and the presidential race In every race. I just, it seems like it's a, become a dominant issue to their advantage. I think the other thing to say is, I don't think that uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, goes anywhere. I mean, he tried to be a Trump imitator without the charisma and the, you know, kind of swashbuckling attitude, and it just hasn't worked for him. So I think that's not good. And Nikki Haley, on the other hand, is the one who goes into 2024 with some momentum. I don't know if she can come anywhere close to defeating Trump. The polls say otherwise. But she is positioning herself, Michael, I think, for the post-Trump era of the GOP.
1: Uh, what, uh, do you think her campaign has been grievously damaged by her re- refusal to answer a question? And it really is just a, a dodge, which I don't understand. When she was asked what caused the Civil War, and the word slavery apparently never occurred to her. What's going yeah, on? How is that possible?
0: Yeah. You know, yes. But I think she, she's afraid of the far right. She's afraid of the Trump MAGA base, right? So she doesn't want to be called woke for simply saying, you know, I mean, it's like this argument about the textbooks. Why can't you honestly say, yeah, this is a country that enslaved black people? That's what we did.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and thank God we've we've moved past that, and we should be proud That's and celebrate. That Absolutely. progress. Okay, speaking of progress, you have a column about uh, stupid games that Republicans played in the House in 2023. And what's amazing is to look back and say this is all the same year, the year that uh, they went through the 15 different ballots to get Kevin McCarthy elected, and then it uh, took one Matt Gates to get him de-elected and uh, then there was Jim Jordan, and then there was Patrick McHenry, who was acting speaker for a while. They couldn't figure out who should uh, run their newly achieved House majority. Uh, What was the idea, and what was going on, and what did the GOP accomplish with all of that turmoil?
0: Well, what they accomplished was they, they set a record as the second least productive year in, the, in terms of passing legislation in the history of the U.S. Congress, so they're absolutely uh, dysfunctional, non productive. In fact, of the 22 bills that did get passed, one was for a uh, commemorative coin, and two others were about renaming medical facilities around the country, federal medical facilities. So this was a high level of dysfunction. And you went through some of it in terms of the failure to have a speaker at one point for three whole weeks. They did nothing. They could do nothing. They didn't have a speaker of the House. And the result, again, is an extremely high, I think it's you know low 80s, 82% of Americans, Republicans, Democrats, independents, disapprove of this Congress. They are loathed. They, it's, it's, it's almost a, a sense of contempt that Americans have now. And the the man who seemed to represent Congress best in the last year was not the Speaker of the House, whoever that might have been at any moment, but George Santos, who himself is a joke
1: <laughs> and a future convict. I mean, uh, don't, don't you think? Uh, again, he he would also fit together with your column about celebrity politicians. Um, the one of the questions here becomes. How do the Republicans hold on to their majority in the House? I mean, some of the, the reapportionment battles that uh, Democrats have been winning uh, may take away some seats the Republicans have gained in places, uh, well, like George Santos's district, Third District of New York, in New York, and California, uh, Illinois. Um, what do you think the prospects are for the Republicans maintaining their House majority?
0: Well, as we go into 2024, it's very slim. I mean, right now, you know, with Kevin McCarthy leaving Congress, I think they're down to one or two uh, in terms of having holding a majority, even in this Congress. But going forward, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, Democratic victories in New York, California. Uh, now, seats now held by Republican seats. I think there are 18 seats that where Biden won the majority of the vote, although they elected a Republican to Congress, I don't think that uh, bodes well for Republicans going forward. And as you said, in New York State, they've redrawn the lines now. It's actually more favorable to Democrats than it was in the 2020 congressional election. They just lost one in Georgia, where the lines were redrawn to the advantage of Republicans. But again, the number of seats in Georgia is nowhere near the number of seats in New York, California, Uh, where I think Democrats will make gains.
1: Well, there's also uh, Lauren Boebert uh, uh, jumped out of her congressional race in her district in the 3rd District of Colorado uh, because that's a seat that was held by a Republican. She's now moved over to Ken Buck's seat in Colorado, which uh, is more advantageous for Republicans. So that's another potential loss. If... um, you were to uh, look right now at uh, the vice presidential choice for uh, Joe Biden, and uh, yes, I know, there is a sitting vice president, and and for Donald Trump. First of all, who do you think Mr. Trump, if he is the nominee again, is likely to pick as his running mate?
0: Wow. You know, I say this with no basis of reporting knowledge, Michael, So, but I think it would be Ramaswamy. He
1: seemed, oh, just,
0: yeah. <laughs> just the other day when Ramaswamy, who looks like he's you know stopped all his media spending now in Iowa and New Hampshire and looks like he's really honest, uh, Trump came out and said his, he has a future. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what he means by that.
1: Maybe. Well, again, he he paid for a great deal, millions for his own campaign, Vivek Ramaswamy, but you know when you have that kind of charm where people just watch you on screen and you say, oh, that's a, that's a guy I like. That's that's somebody who I find really dynamic and what the country needs. That that uh, debate, first of all, I don't think Trump would be able to stop Ramaswamy from debating. Uh, and the prospect of a Ramaswamy-Kamala uh, Harris debate, well, there are stranger things. And and do you think there there is any chance that uh, – well, there's a chance for all kinds of things, including uh, celebrity candidates breaking through, which is the subject of Juan Williams' column, which is posted on our website at michaelmedved.com. Okay, so who made the prediction uh, that uh, the U.S. would break out in civil war in 2023? And we only have two days left for that civil war to begin, Uh, or to conclude, if you want. And uh, Elon Musk would be elected for president. There's one little reason that might stand in the way of that prediction. We will get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. The
2: Michael Medved Show, all across America. I really enjoy your program. I listen to talk radio all day. You're definitely right up there, the cream of the crop. This
0: is The Michael Medved Show.
1: The Michael Medved Show. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking to Professor Paul Kangor, who teaches history and political science at Grove City College, uh, talking about uh, what uh, Nikki Haley needs to learn about the Civil War and uh, what the impact of her uh, misbegotten comments that did not just immediately name slavery as the major factor... Uh, That caused the civil war. Uh, Meanwhile, there's also a civil war of a different kind going on. The Secretary of State, elected Secretary of State, Shanna Bellows, uh, in the state of Maine, said, I am mindful that no Secretary of State has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. I am also mindful, however, that no presidential candidate has ever before engaged in insurrection. So said uh, Ms. Bellows in her 34-page decision. Uh, She wrote in her decision that Mr. Trump did not qualify for the ballot because of his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. A handful of citizens had challenged his eligibility by claiming that he had incited an insurrection and was thus barred from seeking the presidency again under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. Now, the the real question here is how is this going to stand up in court when no court in the country has yet made a decision on whether President Trump deserves this accusation of having incited an insurrection what this uh creates is a situation where president trump as it stands right now is going to be on the ballot in 48 states and there are two states colorado and maine where for the moment at least he's banned this is going to have to go to a supreme court uh because the Supreme Court of the United States is going to have to decide this because it simply doesn't work to have uh, different states having different standards of eligibility for the president. The Constitution is pretty clear that the standards of eligibility uh, for the presidency are are mentioned. You have to be 35 years old. You have to be a natural-born citizen, which is why the prediction that said Elon Musk will be elected president of the United States. He can't be. He was born, I believe, in uh, South Africa, and but he was not born in the United States. And that means, come on, if they're going to challenge Trump for having incited an insurrection, uh, a candidate like uh, an Elon Musk, who was clearly born outside the United States, and he was not born to American parents Uh, I I think this would be a real problem on CNN. And this is one of the reasons that this issue is so explosive is even people on the left generally and people who are more democratically oriented and very opposed to a Trump campaign, like uh, a law professor at Yale named Samuel Moyne, who wrote about what a disaster it would be if – This charge of having incited insurrection, which may or may not be held to be true, uh, whether that charge blocks President Trump from being on the ballot, if it does block him from being on the ballot, well, here's what Dana Bash on CNN said about the potential impact of decisions like what we are seeing in Maine.
2: Trump eligible to be president again? That's the legal questioning question facing this country after Maine became the second state to say he's not because of the Fourteenth Amendment's ban on insurrectionists holding federal office. It is a recipe for constitutional chaos that the Supreme Court will almost surely have to
3: solve.
1: Okay, it's it's just uh, there are a very few moments. In our history, where you say, okay, the Supreme Court has to step in. And the Supreme Court has to step in quickly because the deadlines for getting on these primary ballots in the various states are rapidly approaching. One of the solutions that was true in Michigan, and I believe it was Minnesota, but certainly in Michigan, was they said, okay, Uh, Trump definitely has the right to be on the primary ballot because the primary is actually a function of a given political party, the Republican Party in this case. And they can decide who gets to be on the ballot or not. But they have left it open for a challenge that would keep him from uh, being on the general election ballot. In other words, you could have a situation where Trump wins the primary in a given state. He wins the nomination for the Republican Party, but then he is banned from the ballot in various states. Now, again, there are a lot of people who are gaming this and looking at uh, the fact that the only states where Trump could possibly be blocked are states that almost certainly are going to not carry for Trump. But the problem is that also blocks him from receiving any popular votes there. Uh, President Trump got millions of votes in California both times he ran. Millions of votes. In fact, I believe he got more votes in California than any other state because California is a big state. But those voters won't come out to vote for Trump or if his name isn't on the ballot in the state. And it will greatly hurt Republicans running, for instance, in congressional seats uh, where there's going to be a very ferocious battle for the Republicans to maintain control of the House. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, put in uh, his pitch to become Trump's VP. Uh, this is what he said about the main decision. Clip 10. Sometimes the truth hurts.
3: That's when it's most important to see it. What they're doing to Donald Trump right now in Maine, you see the news today, it's unconstitutional. It's anti-American. It's wrong. I'm doing everything I can to stand against it. I'm the only candidate in this race who has said, I will remove my name from any ballot where they remove Trump as well. But we got to open our eyes to the fact that they're not going to let this man get anywhere near that finish line. That's the hard truth. We can't fall for their trap. They're selling us the rope today that they will use to hang us tomorrow. All I'm asking you to do is to open your eyes right now. See what's going on. They have fooled us time and again. Fool me once, shame on them. Fool me twice, shame on us. Open your eyes, people. If you see what I see, then you understand that next year isn't what they're selling you. It's going to be something. It's going to be something else altogether. Get ready for it.
1: Okay, what does he mean by that? And uh, do you think it will influence anybody? The fact that. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy who is not projected to do well in any primaries in, in this country. He is not there's no there's no polling for any primary where he finishes third or second, uh, let alone wins. So okay, big deal that he says he won't appear on primary ballots or he'll have his name removed if Trump's name is removed. Uh the, the problem uh, is not this apocalyptic matter. It's the, the idea of all of these pending uh, indictments for President Trump, some of which go directly to this issue of uh, the insurrection. If Trump does stand trial... At some point, and they're now talking about a trial that would be done maybe in March, in the very middle of the campaign. If they find in March that Trump is guilty, according to court at any level, and he is guilty of precisely engaging in insurrection, where the Constitution does say that someone who is engaged in insurrection after he has been a federal officer taking an oath that person would become ineligible for running for the presidency. Uh, what happens then? And uh, again, it's it's one of the reasons that all of these legal proceedings should not be delayed. They should be uh, accelerated, if anything, because uh, they really are necessary to prevent Uh, chaos and even more polarization than we have suffered before. Uh, Coming up, we're going to be speaking to Professor Paul Kangor of Grove City College about the truth about slavery and the Civil War. And he has a theory, I believe, which I'm eager to hear about what was in Nikki Haley's mind when she just refused to give that obvious answer about what caused the Civil War. Also, he'll be talking about anti-Semitism on his campus. Uh, Anti-Semitism on campuses generally. The surprises from Senator John Fetterman. And a new piece on uh, the movie that, um, that Kangor considers not just the greatest Christmas movie ever made, but the greatest movie, period. What is it? We will get to that and more coming up in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.